Welcome to the Smart Connector, the podcast that helps entrepreneurs be the leader their ideal people love. Build your influence, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. I met Jilly Barlow through a mutual friend of ours, Mary Cullen, who was one of the speakers at my Entrepreneurial Women event in London. Jill is an incredibly experienced property investor with a demonstrated history of working in negotiation, lettings, working with landlords, and most importantly, working with options, which has enabled her to free her life and concentrate on some of her philanthropic activities that you'll hear about in this episode. So enjoy this telephone interview between us. Welcome to the Smart Connector podcast. Today, I'm delighted to interview Jilly Barlow, who's a very prolific and experienced property investor who also has a very deep interest in people and philanthropy. It's great to have you here, Jilly. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a joy to be here. So, Jilly, I'd love to hear all about how you came into property. What was your journey? Because I know that it's not for you. It's not about property. It's about the people. Absolutely. So I was born into a family of four girls. I'm an identical twin. Went through school, uh, didn't do too well, used the excuse that nobody could tell us apart, but came out of school at 16 with music O-level, so not a lot to show for it. Had grown up believing that I was really not very good at anything, both my sister and I, but had some sort of inbuilt self-belief, which was amazing because, you know, I can't take credit for that. It was just in me I believed that it would be okay but it didn't alter the fact that it was it was tough there were many things that were very tough growing up Uh, we we were we were trouble really so I came out of school at 16 I set up a business uh, as you do when you don't know what to do just really doing odd jobs and then I got a massive opportunity to go to my parents were born and brought up in Kenya and when my father semi-retired he took all of us my mother and my three sisters to Kenya for holiday While we were out there, we were traveling. The four girls went to Turkana, which is the desert of the Kalahari. And the guy that was running the trip happened to mention that he had a safari company in the Kenya off-season in Botswana. And their cook had rolled the vehicle and run away. And would any of us go out there? So we got back to England. And three weeks later, the intrepid explorer, absolutely shaking at the knees and quite terrified, flew out 5,000 miles to the Kalahari Desert. Um, and that was really where things changed for me. Uh, I had a dream while I was out there. That's another story. So, you know, if you want to get into that, I will. But it's a story in itself. And it's how I started in property, really. You, you mentioned that things changed for you. But what, what was the trigger and the catalyst for that? I think stretching myself out of my comfort zone so young had a massive impact on me. And whilst in Africa, I was molded. I was molded tremendously by just the experiences. I learned that I absolutely loved people. And while I was out there, I had a dream. And the dream was about a place in the mountains and disabled children. And I'd been brought up around disabled children uh, because my mother had set up the riding for disabled when I was six. You know, it was normal for me to be thinking of them. And I had this dream and it was about building up their confidence in a mountain house. Now, the only mountain house I could think of was Grizzly Adams and Ben the Bear, which was a program I used to watch growing up as a child. Um, but I'd had an it, it, I was influenced by a Swiss couple on safari who talked about their Swiss house. 
um, and also my faith. And so two years later, I was in the French Alps and I went into an estate agent. I must have been 20 or 23 then. I looked about 14 and I uh, couldn't speak French. And that was the beginning of a, my first journey in property where I ended up with a mountain house uh, that sleeps 14. And the following summer, I took my first group of disabled children out there. It was registered then in 1994 as an official charity. And in 1996, it won the Childline Award for Great Britain. And that was just a massive privilege, massive privilege. Now, what I did then wasn't clever. My attitude uh, was, I want to get the chalet. The I'm going to get this, this house. The question is how? So I had no money. I was at that point gutting fish uh, in a fish farm, uh, earning £8,000. Couldn't have bought the, do the door of a car in this country, um, but ended up with this. And that is a, a story in itself. How, how did you manage, Ginny? You had no money. You were, as, as you said, you were just earning £8,000 a year. So how did you manage to acquire that property? Well, first of all, I have to say that mindset is crucial. I had a mindset which was nobody was going to rock. And I said, I'm going to get it. The question is how. Now, there was, a, there was potentially a little bit of underlying arrogance there, but not intentionally so. And it was just a determination, really. So mindset is everything. And there are many people in this world that will do everything they can to tell you you can't. And you have to make that decision in your own mind say, yes, I can. Obviously, you want to do things that are sensible, that are, that where you've analyzed the risk, where you know. And I have to be completely honest, back then at 2023, 20, I probably didn't analyze risk. And actually, it could have been detrimental, but it wasn't. It worked out for me. I didn't understand the problems of repossession. So my attitude was, I'm going to get this place. If I can't pay the mortgage, the worst that can happen is the bank take it away from me. Well, I wouldn't dream of teaching anybody that now. <laughs> but actually, my I have to say that back then, ignorance was bliss. Uh, there are many strategies you can do. A lot of it's about creativity. So what I love to teach people is, first of all, the art of clarity. You have to understand things, and then you can start being creative. But in that situation, I did effectively a joint venture. So I had no money, so I found somebody who uh, wanted to invest in French property, who put in the deposit and a stamp duty. What wasn't a lot. It was a lot back then, but it was, you know, we're talking... 30,000 or 40,000. Now, a year later, they were desperate for that money back because they were getting married. And at that point, I'd done what we call an option on a piece of land. So only a year later, where I had built a property by getting the land and saying to somebody, if I give you three times its value, can I take 10 years to pay for it? I got the property and was able to extend the mortgage on that to pay the gentleman back who'd lent me the 40,000. So all the money was out within one year uh, and he didn't want any interest for it because he felt he'd let me down well, it was fantastic for me so I ended up with a property that I put no money into so that was the beginning of my journey and I, I learned tremendously from it it wasn't a, an easy ride but it grew me enormously at a very young age that's incredible um, so it, what, what, what's amazing Jilly is that you managed to not only acquire those properties but also combine it with with something that that was really your passion which was helping people and particularly helping vulnerable people and that's something that, that you've used property as a vehicle for a lot since then haven't you yes absolutely so back then as i said i didn't do it to be clever i did it because i wanted it and it, the question was how was i going to do it it's worked out very well financially and obviously it's an asset now 
that is worth a lot more and pretty mortgage-free. And so now I can bless people by allowing them to go there without paying. And that's just my heart. Okay, that's what I want to do. But in the meantime, my property journey has grown tremendously. My experience has grown. And I've now found myself in a place where I absolutely love to teach because I absolutely want people to see that they can do this. And I think that in, a, in an age and a, a, an economic uh, climate and situation where there's so much uncertainty in the world, the last thing we want to do is have lack of self-belief and self-worth. And I want people to see that it doesn't matter where they've come from, what they've done up till now, who they are in the eyes of other people, whether they've got money, whether they've ability to get a mortgage, you know, how many times they've been on holiday or what their net worth is. They can do this. The only thing stopping them is themselves. So one of the things I say to people, I say, I challenge you to go to a mirror. Look in the mirror. And whilst nobody else is listening to you, don't look at flesh, but talk to yourself. And on a scale of one to ten, decide how much you think of yourself. Because the thing is, is that if you aren't at a nine or ten, that's where you begin. Don't worry about property right now. You've got to get to a point where you say, do you know what? I can do this. Not only because I'm worth it, but because I am gifted and I am capable and I am able. It's about surrounding yourself with people that do you good and not harm. It's about believing that you are not somebody who needs to be in this world to just have mediocre. You are not somebody who needs to sit there and go, well, this is my lot in life. It's what you want it to be. You can choose that. And too many people decide, sadly, because of things that have been said over them and around them and to them, the things that they've absorbed in their subconscious mind, which are just sitting there. All these lies that say they are not worthy of, or they won't ever attain to, or they'll never be able to do this, or they'll never be as good as this person or that person. And it's all not true. So if we can get past that, they have as much of a springboard as anybody else in this world. That's a very inspiring message. Thank you so much for that, Ginny. Fantastic. There will be people who are listening who are, you know what, I would love to get into property. I don't know where to start and I haven't got the money. I haven't got the capital behind me. My audience is entrepreneurs. So a lot of them will be building businesses and they'll be putting money into their businesses. But property is a very good strategy to run alongside business, isn't it? It is, absolutely. So I think that uh, the first thing to think about with property is if you can't stand it, and I don't mean that in a, a negative way, don't do it. There are other ways to make money. But we have to also understand that within any uh, business like property, there are lots of different facets to it. There are lots of different elements to it. And we want to make sure that we are not pushing water uphill. So we want to know what our dynamic is, and we want to make sure that we are doing uh, within property, the dynamic that which allows us to be passionate. There's no point in, for me, for instance, give me a spreadsheet, I glaze over. Literally, why would I deal with spreadsheets if it's not conducive to my day and my journey? I'd far rather pay someone to deal with my spreadsheets. Whereas I love the, the, the figures of stacking a deal because I'm a deal maker. I love the deal. That doesn't mean I don't like numbers, therefore. I love the numbers, but I love them in a very different way to that of somebody dealing with spreadsheets so it's really really important to understand we're all different we're all unique and we need to play to our strengths and play to our gifts not push water uphill now that doesn't mean we don't want to step out of our comfort zone and I think that with all these things 
um, we can make it work for us if we're determined enough. So you look at all the many, many of the highly uh, effective and successful uh, entrepreneurs of the world, be they Branson or Lord Sugar or many, many others. I only mention those because everybody hears about them. They learned and they did things uh, that was conducive to their talent and their ability. They didn't put spend hours and hours doing stuff that was not conducive of who they were. And I think a lot of people feel they have to be good at everything and they just don't. It's really, really not important. For me, I learned ways of, of dealing with property or getting into property where I didn't have to use any money and I didn't need a, a masses of risk. Now, obviously, people can have risk if they want. And sometimes it grows your reward, but actually often it doesn't need to do that either. And so I started dealing in strategy that meant I could that the world was my oyster, really. Yes, and I think that is, uh, obviously, we're talking about options primarily, aren't we, Jilly? Yeah, we are, we are talking about options. When I talked about um, just now not having risk, it was just a way in which I structured deals. So that yes. wasn't part of the option, option. And that's actually a little bit harder to explain on, on an audio. Um, but the options are absolutely massively amazing. And sorry, I think that I wandered off in, the, in, in answer to the last question. You absolutely can run this alongside a business as long as you do the parts that you enjoy. Options are an absolutely incredible opportunity for people to be doing deals uh, without having to put cash in. Sometimes we do put cash in, sometimes we don't. But the majority of the time, you shouldn't need to. And actually, it's more conducive not to because you may not buy it in the end. It also means that where you're helping people who are struggling to sell their properties for whatever reason, uh, the uh, certainty of the deal going ahead is so much quicker. So you should be able to do an option once they've agreed to talking about the, um, the, the, the negotiating it. You should be able to get it sorted in two to five weeks. So for a vendor who's struggling for whatever reasons, you know, knowing that in a maximum of five weeks it's going ahead or isn't, they aren't having to sweat to wor uh, uh, worry any longer than that. Whereas you put a house on the market, it can take a year to even get an, uh, an offer. It can then start to go through subject contract and then fall out of bed at the last minute. Um, and, and people literally, you know, are put in such horrible situations because of that. It, you know, it leads to repossession, it leads to sickness. People may be ill anyway. It might mean they've got to travel abroad and they don't want to rent it out. It might mean all sorts of things. It might be a probate house where it's falling into disrepair. But a lot of people are in a situation where they need to move fast. And obviously, if they need to get all their money out, it doesn't work. But many times they don't. And that's, uh, you know, an option. So, as I said, not everybody listening to our podcast will will actually know what an option is. So how, how can we describe it to them very simply so that they understand? That, okay. An yeah. option is a very, very simple contract, which means you have the right to buy it, but not the obligation. And it's to buy it in the future. So it's three things, Jay, just three things to start with. It's how much you're going to offer them for it. So generally when we're doing an option, I would suggest at least the asking price. It's for how long the contract is going to last. So it might be eight months, it might be five years, it might be 10 years. And it's what you're going to give them each month in the meantime. So let me give you an example. Let's say somebody's come along and they're being about to be repossessed. They can't sell their property. 
they haven't been able to pay their mortgage, okay, or they can't pay their mortgage moving forward. Let's say the house is on the market for 200000 and they've got no equity in it. They're leveraged up to the hilt, so maybe they've got a mortgage of 199 or maybe even 210 So they're in negative equity. If they sell today, they're going to be in minus 10 grand, aren't they? And they're not going to be able to take any money out of it to move somewhere else. So they've obviously got somewhere else to go. So we could walk in and we say, I tell you what, we will take over your property for you. You're going to have to leave anyway. We will give you, in five years' time, we, we would like to offer £230,000. Okay, so you're going to get at least your mortgage. You're going to get the mortgage to pay off and 20000 extra. In the meantime, we'll take over your mortgage payments or we'll pay you so that you can pay your mortgage payments um, so that you are not ending up in a place of repossession, which will affect you for the rest of your life or for a very, very long time. And you can walk away knowing that we've taken control of the situation. So we would possibly say 230 is a purchase price, a five-year option agreement, and in the meantime, we will pay your mortgage fee and maybe give them a little bit more if we can. I love it when we have to turn around and say, look, we're having to change it. And they go, oh, they're crestfallen faces. And we say, we believe we can also pay off your credit card bill. It's all about helping people. Yes. You know, it's, it's all about, and it's not always about repossession, but that's just an example. It could be tired landlords who want to move to a different part of the country and just can't sell their properties. You know, they don't want to leave it in the hands of an agent, maybe, and they've got seven HMOs. It could be that they're trying to get rid of their portfolio because of the new tax laws or because they don't want to deal with an HMO license every month on 70 properties, you know, and it, it could be for all sorts of reasons. But an option is a fantastic opportunity to take away the pressure or the turmoil related to that particular property and give them that freedom to move on in their lives whilst we take control of it. Now, at the end of the, the contract period, which might be five years, for instance, we don't have to then buy it. We don't have the obligation. We have the option to buy it. Now, if we don't buy it and we give it back to the vendor, the probability is it's gone up quite a lot in value in five years. Now, if it hasn't gone up because of cap natural capital appreciation, it most probably will have gone up because we would have done some work on the property and hopefully generated more income. So by, you know, by, by default, it will go up if you are, if you've created a business in there generating more income. So they get to put it on the market for a greater sum of money. It might be that their situation has changed and they decide to keep it. But I've never, I've never gone into an option without purchasing it at the end. But you have the option to walk away. Brilliant. So that's a really, really exciting um, strategy. And I certainly know because my, my work is in development and I know that um, options are an incredibly powerful way also of purchasing land and avoiding the finance costs while for example um, planning is is being sought so Absolutely. it definitely has its place in development as well so um jilly i'd love to hear more about about your philanthropic work because you do so much don't you you've you worked uh, with prisoners in prisons and with troubled young people so let's let's hear all about that how has property enabled you to to really follow your passion and, and help others? Well, I think that a while ago, I started running courses in prison. In actual fact, I started running the Alpha course in prison um, and I joined a team for seven years and I absolutely loved it. And actually, bizarrely enough, I ended up with a couple of deals coming out of that. Not that I went in there 
looking for them. But, you know, it's amazing how if you tell everybody what you do, you know, you can help people out. And, you know, in, in, in both the instances with the leads that came from prison, I was helping people out. Horrendous situations, very sad situations. But my prison work made me realize that actually my passion in life was exactly what I'd proven when I set up the, the, the charity for disabled children after I bought the chalet in 1990, um, which was I wanted to build them up. So in the same way with the disabled children in, in 1990 when I set it up, my heart was to show them that irrespective of whether they were so, had cerebral palsy or spina bifida or whether they had Marfan syndromes or whatever they had, they were precious. And that if they could get to France to come on an activity holiday with me, the world was their oyster. And the first thing they needed to do is start to love themselves and believe in themselves. Now, when I went into the prison, you know, you might think, prisoners, uh, disabled children, where's the, where's the resemblance? Well, the point was, I wanted them to understand that actually they were precious. They may be mucked up, they may be done wrong things, but we all have. And that actually, they have got a purpose in this life as well. They have got a, a reason for being here and they've got every opportunity when they change their mindset to actually apply good stuff and achieve what they want to achieve. So my heart was really, really to show, it is to show people, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, you start believing in you. And I honestly promise you that with the right guidance, the right support, surrounded by people who want to do you good and not harm, you will, you will get there. You will get there. And that's for everybody. And so I really, really wanted to, to help with this. So. I stopped going into prison for a short while because I wrote a book called A, to a Letter to His Boys Behind Bars, um, which is actually for people who aren't in prison inside as well. Because I know more people mentally in prison outside than I than feel in prison inside. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy. There are so many people trapped in their own minds, believing that they're hopeless, believing they can't do it, believing that they are worthless, believing that they'll never attain to what their sisters or their brothers or their cousins have never made their parents proud. There are so many people that are like this. And, you know, we look at the suicide rate that is catastrophic in our youngsters. We look at the suicide rate that is so horrendous. Now, I understand that sometimes that's related to an imbalance and, and, and depression and what have you, but often it's related to circumstance and the fact that they believe they have no way out. They have. And my message, if all I say today is if you're listening, if you hear this, you have you know, you have, and I just want you to know that. And I, I think that my heart is absolutely to make people see that they are a gift to the world. They are precious. And, you know, I would love, I would love to help everybody. I don't know if you know that amazing story of the boy on the beach who there'd been a massive storm and all these starfish uh, got washed up on the shore. And he went onto the beach and was walking quite a distance to put them back into the water. And this, this guy comes up and he says, what are you doing? And he said, I'm just trying to save the starfish. He said, but you're not going to make any difference. What are you doing? And he picked up one, walked to the water, put it in, and he said, well, I just made a difference to that one. And I think we have to remember that every human being on this planet is as precious as the next. Everybody's got a heart and a mind and a soul and a desire to be loved and to feel precious. And if we can begin that, begin there, how amazing, what, what a privilege that is. We then want to show them how, yes, they have every ability to do 
become financially free, to become financially independent to start with, to get to a point where they see their skill sets working, they see their purpose unraveling, and they, they, they find that by understanding and realizing where they can be passionate within it. The passion first will be what finds their purpose. And it's just helping them to do that. And it's such a privilege to be doing that in the area of property. It, it really is indeed, indeed, Jilly. And so, as I said earlier, such an inspiring message as well, because of course, uh, all entrepreneurs, whether they're in, in property or another sector, need to have that that vision for themselves and their lives, don't they? They do, they do. And I think that we have to also remember that they don't have to be entrepreneurs. They just have to get to a point of believing in who they are and then making the decision that they are going to succeed. And that brings me on to another point, that we have to look at what success means. So people often think success means pound signs. And I, I, I say to people, tell me who's successful in this scenario. There's a couple in a tent. They've not got anything materialistic, but they are unbelievably, ecstatically happy. And then you've got your billionaire who's just hung himself. Mm. Well, who's we, know, we have one of those, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So who's successful? One time I, I asked that question and the response was, well, financially, the billionaire. It doesn't make any sense. So how can you be successful at all if you get to the point of having a billion in your bank account and hanging yourself? So my attitude, and it is obviously only my opinion really, is that success is a good life. But the question is, what is a good life to an ind each individual person? It could be completely, my, my idea of a good life could be completely different to the next person's. So you have to decide in your own mind, what is a good life? And I absolutely, completely accept and understand that 90%, 99%, most of the time, the good life for everybody will need some money because we can't live off thin air. Understand that. But we have to understand, first of all, what the picture of success looks like to us as individuals so that we can attain to it because otherwise we fall into a trap of chasing money. And yes. that doesn't bring happiness. It is a trap because at the end of the day, what are we all doing it for? And I think a lot of people want money because they want to be recognized and appreciated and admired by others, which is, which is love. In a way, it, there's something that is, is very unappealing about the lonely millionaire, about somebody who has all the money in the world, but nobody to share it with. And I don't think anybody that, that, that perhaps envisages themselves with a wealthy future would envisage themselves as being all alone with nobody to share it with. Mm. Well, a classic example there is Freddie Mercury, who just before he died said you could have all the money in the world, but without somebody to share it with and without love, it's nothing. That's right. Nothing. And many, many people have said similar things. Um, many, many people. There's a, a very famous actor, and I'm not going to mention who he is, who, who said, the one thing I regret in life is not being somebody else. How sad is that? Mm, that How sad is. is that? Yeah. Really, really sad. And, and I think that there's so much opportunity for people. And if they, can, if they can get to a point of believing in who they are, the world is their oyster. You know, this is why I wanted to help disabled children know that. You know, I'm trying to set up uh, a place in the Canadian hills now, in, um, and I've got land that I want to build a place there to take young disabled adults out there. 
because I want them to understand that wherever they can get to, if they can get that far, the world is their oyster. And I want to sort of create a little bit of what I experienced in Africa, but in Canada, so that they come back realizing that actually it's their choice what they do. They do not need to be pigeonholed. They do not need to be told all you can do is X. And this is the same for people who've been told that they don't have the academic capability to do this or do that. It's just not true. Yes, if you want to be a doctor, you're going to have to study. But, but you do not have to have ac academic qualifications to succeed. You've just got to decide what success looks like to you and then determine whether or not you need qualification or whether you can go out and you can get that based on your own the faith in yourself. And faith in the people you put around you is absolutely crucial. And, you know, my heart is to really, really see people shine and see people see that, see people change their mindset and realize, actually, the world is my oyster. And actually, I, I often say, today's the beginning of the rest of your life. Today, right now, is the beginning of the rest of your life. So let's make sure that it's the life that you want and not the life that somebody's told you you're going to have. And I think that these are this is really powerful stuff. Mindset is crucial to everything. It really is. It doesn't matter whether you're disabled. It doesn't matter whether you come from another uh, country and you, you don't speak a lot of English. It doesn't matter if you can't get a, a credit card and you, you, you don't have a bank account. It doesn't matter if your credit score is low. We can, we can, we can sort through all of that because the thing that matters the most is your mindset and your ability to say, do you know what? I'm going to conquer. I'm going to rise from the ashes and I'm going to have the victory. Because the, the problem is we don't get promised tomorrow. We don't know how long we've got left. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but we just don't. We don't. We have no clue. We can guess, we can presume, and we can assume. But too many people chase that golden coin or that shiny penny. And I tell a story and I say, imagine a, a tire rolling down a hill and now we're going to pretend that that tire is a big gold coin what a lot of people do in life is they chase that coin and what they do is it's on a hill so it's going to get faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and sometimes they grab hold of it and they're really ecstatically excited because they've got it but what happens is with the momentum of the hill they let go of it again and what they do is they constantly chase money because they've moved the boundaries in their life and it's never enough. Then there are other people who hold on to it and they never let go and they do absolutely phenomenally well in business. But the problem is it's not a question of how long they spend with their children. It's knowing the names of their children because they never actually get home to see them. Mm. And then suddenly they wonder why at 60 they don't know their children and actually what was it all about? And then there's the third group of people who chase that money and never catch it, so deem themselves to be hopeless. Mm. All of them are wrong. Because, you see, what we need to do is we need to find that happiness before we chase the money. Because I'm sure you've heard many people say before, Jane, if only I could get that. If we could just go there or get that car or go on that holiday, if we could just get one more house, it'll all be okay. What they're doing is they're using future predicaments to dictate their happiness and their contentment. I, I, I'm completely with that, 
with you on that, Jilly, is that happiness is in the here and now, it's in the everyday, it's in the, the moments that too often pass by because we're just not noticing them. Absolutely. And it's catastrophic. And I want people to really understand that if they are saying, if we could get this, it will be fine. They are absolutely, however insignificant those comments might seem, they're actually allowing future results to be the reason they become happy. But what happens if they don't get to that destination? You know, and if they get there, it's that whole business of will that boundary move? So will they ever know complete contentment? And that's really sad because it, life becomes futile. And where do we learn fulfillment? It's, it, you know, we want to have a fulfilled life. But if we're chasing money, we'll find it doesn't come. If we find, if we get our mindset right and we start to believe in who we are and we find contentment in the place. I've written a book actually, and this isn't a push for it, I promise, haven't even got it out yet, but I've audioed it. And when I wrote it, I thought it was going to be on property, but actually it's not. It's all about the reader and it's just really helping people to go through those stages of believing in who they are to understand what success means and then it gives them exercises as to how to find their purpose, how to find the area that they love and how to get into that so that they can find success. And it's so crucially important, whether it's property, whether it's music, whether it's art, whatever it is, it's finding that passion. And if it is property and they don't go, well, Jilly, you know, I don't have a massive passion for property, that's okay. We can find an element of property that they can be passionate about. And mm -hmm. as I said before, that's all about learning what their dynamic is. It's learning what their values are. It's learning what their languages are. It's learning all those different things to ascertain what they might love to do within the environment of property. And that's what they stick to. That's what they do. They make other people do the other bits. I think one of the things that I really like about property is that there is genuinely, and I often say this to people, there is a role for everyone because it's a very, very broad area. And whatever your passion, if you're creative, you can you can be an interior designer or an architect. If you're, you know, if you're a relationship person like me, you can be a connector and somebody who brings people and deals together and investors and so on. Uh, if you're a geeky person, you can, you know, you can drill down on the numbers and the spreadsheets, but there really is genuinely something for everybody. So I think it's very forgiving, very forgiving. It is. And, and the thing is, it's a people's world. So yeah. well before property comes people. So one of my absolute passions is connecting people like you. Mm -hmm. So I run a, um, my own property meeting called People in Property. And my absolute passion is to join them together and say, right, you know, you've got skill set, you've got time. You've got money, guys. Come on, let's get together, do business together. And I absolutely revel in seeing them do business. I see the smiles on their faces. I see the changes. And what I try to explain to people is like at my last meeting, we had a large number of different people. We had youngsters there who are, you know, 17 up to 22, some of which are struggling tremendously in a world of pressure. And, you know, they're not being treated too well in the jobs that they're in. And you could see them struggling so much with life because of that. And I said to them all, I mean, obviously I speak to the group. I said to them, you know, what you've got to understand is it takes just a small change to create a change in your world. But you've got to have the courage to take that small step to change something. And they just need to understand what that small change might mean 
in order for them not to be afraid and to know that they're being handheld almost. Um, and so within these meetings, I absolutely love to encourage them. And it only takes for them to make, maybe meet one person who wants to have coffee with them, who maybe is, you know, 20 or 30 years older and can actually help them in an area that they don't have skill set or even money. Now, they may not need money if they're doing options, but it's all about helping people grow together. One of the things I'm doing in January is I'm offering a half-day values day completely free because I want people to understand what their values are because their values are crucial to whether or not they're happy in certain elements of their journey. So if they find that they're doing something and they just literally feel like they're treading through treacle, and that it's a bit of a dirge, the probability is it doesn't line up with their values. And they, if they don't know what their values are, they can't see if they don't line up. So I want to help them learn more about themselves by doing their dynamics, their values, and their languages. And then they'll understand why they react and respond to certain things. And they'll understand why they feel like they're pushing water uphill or they're treading through treacle because they're probably doing the wrong thing and it doesn't line up with who they are. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So it's all about alignment and um, having finding your purpose and your why, of course, isn't it, Jilly? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you see, the thing is, is that we talk about, so many years ago, I say many years ago, that sounds like I'm a dinosaur, but a few years ago, I set up my own power team. And we called ourselves, get this, very bizarre name, FAT. Now, it's spelt... <laughs> Italic F, capital H, A, T. Now, the reason the, the H was capital was because it was telling us that we needed to have happiness first. You can use the word contentment if you like, but C didn't work in that word. So happiness, contentment, whatever. It has to come first. Now, if that comes first, the A will be your achievement. Your achievement and your attitude will be so much better and faster. Your attitude will be better. The achievement will be faster. With that, you get the T. The T is what we all want. Irrespective of what we, how we dress it up, it's time. It might be time on your Tusk at your Tuscan Villa. It might be time helping with a charity. It might be time with your family. It might be time on a beach. It might be time driving a car. It doesn't matter. It's time. Now, the italic F is whatever you want it to be. But my hope is that it will be freedom to start with because of that contentment, as well as faith in yourself and a god if that's what you want and fun how on earth can it be fun if you hate what you're doing do you know anybody who's gone to a job and been passionate about something they hate so the only way they can have fun on their journey is is if they truly ascertain what what they should be doing on that journey so that they can be passionate in what they do Honestly, it's been so great, you know, just a very, very inspiring to, to talk to you, Jilly. And I just love the way that you've used property to really ramp up your passion for people and your, your love and your support for as many people as, as you can. It's been very, very inspiring to have you as a guest. And thank you so much. Not at all. Can I just add one more thing? Please um, so, so I set up a company called Creating Homes Limited. Yes. And Creating Homes Limited is purely for vulnerable people. Now, the ones in the UK at the moment 
have a charity running them because it wasn't conducive of my time to be looking after all the people, but to find more properties. And recently, uh, we've been asked potentially to go to the States and set this up, which is very, very exciting because my heart is to make sure that people have homes. And it's not a house, it's not an abode, not a building, but a home. And the our mission statement is really to create a home of love and a future of hope. And I think that this is my heart to make sure that, that people don't just believe in themselves. And, and for many in this country, it will be about helping them to acquire and have a portfolio so that they have passive income. And believe you me, I've done that with children aged 16 plus who are now financially free. But it's also about making sure that those that won't be doing this for themselves have a place to rest their head. And I think that if we can all build this together, the world will, will become a far more content and happy place. And, you know, I'm sure there's only a certain amount that I and we will be able to do, but it's just very exciting to be part of it. The other thing is that I, I'm about to set up a course or start running a course in the new year for young adults. And I hope it's okay for me to say that. My heart is to see these youngsters. I mean, I don't know whether it's, I'm sure it's because I've got three boys, but I feel that I, I literally want to do this for women as well. I come from a family of four girls, but I think there's so much pressure often. And I've got three beautiful boys. None of them found it easy at school. One of them is a street dancer um, and two of them are drummers. And they're never going to make an awful lot of money, probably in music and dance. And actually, they probably don't want to, you know, but isn't it fantastic if they can have a portfolio of property bringing in passive income whilst they set up that dance group for disabled children or whilst they teach people that they can, can do a, a CD and they can actually create a song and music and actually do something that, that's creative. They say in 20 years' time, there'll be 50% less jobs. So all our 20-year-olds will be 40. Well, I want to make sure that as many as possible are in a place of financial freedom so that they get to be with their children, so that they don't need to worry about what the future holds in terms of how things will change in our economy. And they can get out there and live every life as a gift that it is and be passionate about what they love and not stress about the finances of our world. That's my dream. That's that's so great, Jilly. Uh, honestly, as I said, it's been wonderful, wonderful to talk to you today. And so inspired by your vision and it's just incredible that you're you're really t teaching young people these skills as well and and they're, they're life-changing because as you said so much of the time people are held back from doing the things that they'd love to do which which would really contribute to the world and benefit other people simply because they don't know how to support themselves so very, very, very inspiring. Thank you very much for joining us. And Not at all. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jilly, and I will speak to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Jane. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Connector podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not head over to janebaylor.com and order a copy of my free report on building your personal brand. I'd love to connect with you on social media. And finally, don't forget to like and subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss a show. Thanks for listening in and see you soon.